0: good morning. My name is Amber Carroll and I am one of the pastors here at Hope Covenant Church. It is so good to be together with you today. I am um, just grateful. I look around this room and my heart is warmed by your presence. So it's just good to be here. Um, Before we start, I want you to turn to your uh, neighbor, turn to someone next to you and share your favorite superhero movie. Go. Go. Okay, go ahead and shout out some favorites. Yeah. Iron Man, really? Shrek. Yes. What else? The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Luke Girl Cage. Power, huh? Luke Cage. Who? Luke Cage. Luke Cage. Huh. <sighs> what's that? What else? Oh, Batman, Superman, Captain America. Captain America. I cannot. Be- Infinity War. Anyone? Thor. Thor okay. Yeah. Thanos. Right. Okay. Um, no one said Aquaman. I'm surprised. <laughs> Seriously. I have walked out of one movie in my life, and it was Laura Croft Tomb Raider from like the 90s, um, and Aquaman I rented in my living room, so I couldn't walk out, but the worst, the worst, the worst. Um, I've seen on Facebook people are very excited about the new Inf- Infinity War movie coming out. In fact, the most exciting event ever of their life, can't wait, viewing parties. Some of you have been engaged in that conversation in this room. So, um, but we as uh, a human race, we like the story of the hero, right? I mean, we're kind of drawn to superheroes and this idea of, like, the guardian. Like, they have something that they've been entrusted with that they need to protect, right? And then, the, and then people come after it, and they try to get this thing, and, and they're, they're given this, like, special power um, to protect it. And in the end, they're victorious, and we all love it. It's just what we love as humans. It's part of what makes a great story. But this week... In in the hu in the history of of humanity, this week marks the remembrance of the greatest superhero story ever told. Holy Week. Palm Sunday marks the beginning of the most magnificent story, and we are a part of it. So I I wanted us to 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 kind of put ourselves back put put ourselves in that place of Palm Sunday. It's the first day of Holy Week and if you can imagine the, the the Jewish people; they were the chosen people, Yahweh's people, and they were just waiting for the Messiah to show up. and And they were uh, they they welcomed him when he came in with the palm fronds and the laying things down at his at his feet. and 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 they they couldn't wait because he was the promised Messiah. He was going to break every chain. He was going to set the captives free. They bet it all on the line. This was the event they were waiting for. He walked in, and 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 they said, "Hosanna! Hosanna!" in the highest they were so so excited and on reaching jerusalem jesus entered the temple courts and this was the place where um, housed the holiest of holies the temple was their precious place and when jesus walked into the temple courts around the area he began driving out those who were buying and selling there and he overturned tables and money changers and benches of those selling doves and then he wouldn't allow anyone to carry merchandise into the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, my house will be a called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And so he comes in, and, and they're like, Whoa, wait wait a second. This is, this is our sacred place, and Jesus has something to say about it. And it, so it says, The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. Ooh. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. See, he came in and preached something different than what they were living. They had put their confidence and their trust in the commandments and the commodity and all of the things that they were selling and their status. And then Jesus came in and started saying something different and they were not okay with that. In fact, the crowds were amazed and they said, we got to put a stop to this. Jesus had been living out his ministry for for three years, and at this point, he had performed miracles. They'd seen his work and and signs, and he had spoke of the the kingdom of God, and he said the kingdom of God is here, but they didn't quite understand. And then when he started to show it, look a little different, they were not okay with this. Then it takes us through the garden and that journey on Thursday that night in Holy Week, when Jesus was handed over to the guards. He was betrayed And the crowd began to lose their confidence in the promise of the kingdom of God. How can Jesus be the king of the Jews? And how is he going to overturn the Roman Empire if he's in captivity, if he's crucified? So they began to think, maybe this isn't the Messiah after all. And when he stood before Pontius Pilate, when the crowd was asked what they wanted to do, their cheers went from Hosanna in the highest to crucify him. How quickly the crowd went from being amazed at his teaching to shouting Hosanna. And I think we often do the same. How quickly our confidence in God, our trust in the promise can shift when our circumstances are rocked. You know, today as we enter Holy Week, we're closing out this I don't know what I believe message series and I want us to look at what we've been reading, and we're going to read it out loud together one more time. And this is in uh, 2 Timothy 1, verses 9 through 14. So let's read that together. The words will be on the screen. It says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you, guarded with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Amen. Today, I want us to hone in on that last verse. It says, Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. So, Paul, if you've been with us, um, Paul's writing from prison and he's writing this letter to Timothy, his protege. And he's encouraging Timothy to be on guard. He's saying guard the good deposit. Guard is an action word. It's active. And um, we guard something if it's valuable, if it has, if it has worth. And he's, and he's telling Timothy, be on guard. Guard the good deposit. He's saying something's in you that's good and valuable, and you better be on the lookout. There's this urgency behind the word because you only need to guard something if it's under attack. I mean, there's no need to guard something if no one's looking for it. We guard things that are valuable, that are worthy. And if it isn't worth anything, we don't need to worry about it. Thieves do not break into empty houses. We lock our cars because we don't want people to steal our cars. Maybe some of you don't lock your car, leave your keys in the car, hoping someone will steal your car. But the more valuable the thing is, the more we put the energy in and time to protect it. And Paul's saying to Timothy, you've been entrusted with something of good value. And because this thing is valuable and you have it, you are vulnerable for attack. Ever seen Lord of the Rings? Anyone raise your hand if you've seen Lord of the Rings? You know really? Raise your hand if you've seen Lord of the Rings. Okay, that's a little better. Okay, okay. So you know this story? Like, this ring, this, like, precious ring is guarded by Schmeagel, who's, like, this creepy little guy. And and um, somehow this, this ring has the power to destroy the universe. And it's um, entrusted to this little hobbit named Frodo. Very good. And Frodo's job is to take this ring and deliver it to the big, fiery eye in the sky. And he's, like, all, like, these crazy, like, Demagogues, but not really. I don't know what they're like. These crazy things, like trying to get him, and and um. But he's he's been given this task to take this thing of value, and as he's on the journey, um, he is the only one. He's like this little mini thing that is protecting this this ring, and no one else can has the power to do it. And he has the he's been given this because he he doesn't suffer pride. He's not suspe- susceptible to the things that the other humans are. And so it's this great story. If you haven't seen it, I. I encourage you to watch it um but anyway so just these stories of of um powerful uh the power of protecting um things that have been entrusted to us and i i think of that often of when we have people who receive baptism and we tell people often as you um give your life to christ and you publicly proclaim that you are following jesus through baptism um we say be careful because those who become precious to god become very important to satan and oftentimes when you put yourself out there, you are vulnerable for attack. And we'll, we have hear stories about that when people say, yeah, once I kind of went all in with my faith, I could kind of see where, where uh, the enemy was kind of out to take me down. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've felt that before. You ever felt like just under attack where you're trying hard and you're doing your best to live some things out, but it just seems like it's just coming at you wave after wave? I mean, maybe part of us should take some flattery in that, like, wow, I must be really important. <laughs> um, you know, as we look at our lives and we wonder, like, why things happen to us and what, what can God do for this, um, we need to remember that God said, I am with you always. You are never alone. And he loves you and gave his life for you because you are valuable, And sometimes I think all of life's circumstances that bring us down make us doubt our value and make us doubt our worth. And there are times in our lives when we just need to reappraise our value, reappraise who we are in Christ. If you are at a place of feeling worthless or feeling like a failure or like you're falling short, I want to tell you that your feelings are not a reflection of your value. Your value has already been decided. You are a beloved child of God, made in God's image and meant to house the fullness of God. And I was struggling with this word, like appraising my values. So, so guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Timothy, guard it. It's our instruction to us. What are, what are we to to guard? God, God has given us something good, all of us. And these words like have been rolling around in my head, and I was remembering a time in this past fall, and I, I didn't know if I was going to share it, but this morning I decided to share it. Um, you know, we will, when we choose to follow Christ, we're given this, like, uh, amazing calling. And he says, I'm going to give you gifts. I'm going to give you the gift of my spirit, but I'm also going to equip you to live life the way that I've called you. And uh, I remember I was at a conference in October, and I was just having one of those times where I just felt like um, a lot of self-doubt. Just things were going on. I mean, nothing too big, but you just kind of like wonder. And I was having this hard time, and I, was, um, I, I got word that I had these, many of you know the stupid cancers on my face, and I had to get them cut out. And, but that, that was the week that I got the phone call that... Um, the, the biopsies they took had cancer in them, and I remember the lady on the phone saying that, um, it's okay, it, they're not life-threatening, thre- threatening, they're just disfiguring. I remember thinking, oh, that's terrible, like, I'm going to be disfigured, and I just kind of having these moments of just, like, man, if my face looks crazy, I'm going to be not valuable, and we I just, all of the image stuff that goes, with that. I've talked to you a little bit about that, but, um, What happened that week was amazing. So when we talk about the the Holy Spirit's presence in our life and feelings of being under attack, I just felt like words from the enemy that week um, telling me just, see, you're not good enough. See, you're not, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I remember we got done listening to this um, speaker and it was at a reception time and I was um, talking to this this big man that John works with, and um, he kind of just made a comment, I don't know if, if you know that I'm a, I'm a woman, uh, I am, um, I'm, a, uh, <laughs> I'm a woman pastor, and um, I didn't realize that that was a thing really until I moved to the Midwest, um, and then I moved here and I was very aware that I was a woman pastor. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, oh, surprise, I'm a woman pastor and I, I lead this church. So if you didn't know that and you're here today, that, that's the, the truth. But anyway, I um, was having just some moments of just feeling just inadequate. And it was really kind of all in my head. And so this man, this John introduces me to this man that he works with. And he asked what I did. And I said, oh, I'm the lead pastor at our church. And John teaching pastor, we do this together, and and he said, oh, okay, and he, he looked at me, he goes, so you do all the administrative stuff, right? And I was like, like, that's not what I said. <laughs> i like, uh, no, no, and he, he just kind of like walked away, and it was awkward. I was like, oh my gosh, and John didn't know what to say. He's like, I don't know what to do with my hands, so we, um, <laughs> so I, and I had already just, I just heard this news about my face, and I was just like, and so I walked over to the, the punch, and I was just like, okay, I'm fine, I'm going to breathe. And he's like walking next to me like, "Um, do you want me to say anything? What, what do I do, you know? Do you want a hug, you know? Um, and as we're standing, standing together, and I kid you not, this, this, this man who's like even more giant than the first man who made that comment comes over, and he puts his arm around me, and he's like, hey, I got a fr- my wife's uh, para goes to your church. I was like, oh, cool, you know. And immediately I thought, oh, great, what I do, you know, because I'm already feeling kind of, like, beat up a little bit. And he goes, he, and he puts our room, he goes, she thinks you're the better preacher than John. <laughs> and he, like, gives John a noogie and, and, like, walks away. And I'm telling you what, I, it was one of those, like, out-of-body experiences because I feel like God was going, girl, I got you. I'm with you. My voice needs to be louder. Your values and who I call you, and you are my daughter, and I've called you for a purpose, for a time as this, and live into that. Don't you know, those voices in your head? That's not me. That's not your. That's not your dad. You know that's that's you, and that is the enemy trying to get you, get you down and make you doubt who you are and whose you are. It's one of those moments. I just like I just cling to that because. Um, we are our worst enemy oftentimes. We allow those negative words to come in and make us feel like we aren't worth anything. But if you weren't valuable, you wouldn't be under attack. And if the deposit you were entrusted with wasn't good, and if you weren't worth fighting for, you wouldn't be fighting like you are. So it is important to guard what has been entrusted to us with the help of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it on our own. You are so important and so valuable that God gave you the Holy Spirit and that is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that we will celebrate next week on Easter. So what is this good deposit that we need uh, are needing to guard, you know? We said we're not we're not trying to guard a house, it's not a car. It's not even really our lives because when we have the hope for eternity, The lives we understand are just temporary, and Paul even says um, to live as Christ and to die is gain, because we will already we're already in eternity forever. But when we're not desperate to guard the gospel, I mean, the gospel's not in trouble. I mean, the gospel will reign forever. What we need to guard is our confidence in that. We need to guard our confidence in the gospel, and the enemy will come in and attack our confidence by messing up our circumstances. By, by messing with our situations, by attacking our jobs or our health or our finances or our relationships. This passage that we've read here, Paul sets up the beginning part of it, kind of laying out the various circumstances that could have swayed his suffering and all that, could have swayed uh, what he believed. But he said that all of this, my circumstances, my suffering doesn't change because I am confident in whom I have believed I can be beaten, I can be flogged, I can be shipwrecked, I can be chained up in a dark prison, I can have my face cut in, um, but I'm confident in who I believe. Pastor Stephen Furtick says, what breaks us up as believers is when your circumstances break your confidence in whom you have believed. Paul says, hey Timothy, you got to guard the good deposit and maybe you don't feel strong enough. You know, he was talking to, to Timothy. He says, maybe you feel like you don't quite have what it takes. Sometimes we feel like we just can't quite measure up. So I want to look at Timothy for a second and who Timothy was. Timothy, at this point in time, was pastoring a church that he actually planted with Paul t- about 10 years earlier. And they had been in the trenches together. I mean, Paul and Timothy, they knew each other very well. Second uh, Timothy, uh, one three through four. Um, he's he's talking to Timothy and he says, you know, I um, I know that you have a sincere faith, and I know that you you I, I I'm confident of I'm reassured of who you are because of who's raised you. And then he says something. He says the Spirit doesn't give us uh, a spirit of tim- of being timid, but it gives us a spirit of being powerful. In our weakness, Christ is where Christ meets us to fill in the gaps. Sometimes it's easier for us to say God is able than to believe that we are able through God. Sometimes it's easier to believe that God is able, God is powerful, God can do this. But actually, it is through us, oftentimes, that God is able to do those things. And we cannot let the enemy steal that confidence because we've got a mission to do. And Paul's telling Timothy, "You be strong, be bold, walk confidently in this. Because I'm in prison and I'm limited to what I can do and there are people who need to hear this truth. There is a church in Ephesus that needs to hear this truth because the people in El Dorado eventually are going to need to hear the truth of this good news. Because if this is all true, if the good news is actually good, then God is sovereign and God can work good in all our circumstances. And they don't need to change. Our circumstances do not need to change in order for our confidence in God to increase. Paul tells Timothy, I know your faith is sincere. I know your faith is sincere and your confidence will withstand the changes and hardship in your life if you embrace that power inside of you. Sincere faith is uh, is good, right? It's Sincere faith is that exclamation point behind God is good. I sincerely believe God is good. And then when when life comes and circumstances change, if we aren't con- if our confidence isn't withstanding that, it can change to that question mark. God is good, is he? So I think we're believing that. Oftentimes our guarding is our, our confidence from is from the enemy outside, but coming from our uh, inside of our heads is where we get in trouble. You don't have to learn more information to, to be strong. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all of this figured out. All you need to know and trust is that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And this was a shift in the story for the Jewish people. See, this, this Holy Week, um, was, this was where their, their confidence in what they had believed shifted because their circumstances changed. The powerful, precious, unbelievable, amazing uh, Yahweh resided in this temple built by human hands. The Jesus, the the human Messiah, who was going to save them and rule, was going to die and hang on a cross. And they lost all their confidence. And Paul says, but salvation did come. And it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And now, that Holy Spirit lives in us, walking temples, holy, valuable. And we don't have to look to humans for hope, we look to Jesus. The good news is that the Holy Spirit is with us all the time. There's a story in Acts 19 which I wanted to share with us this morning. Um, And I, uh, this, it comes from, um, this is Paul is in Ephesus 10 years earlier. And uh, the city of Ephesus is, is, um, they have found safety and comfort in the god of, um, she's the daughter of Zeus, her name is. Artemis, And she's a celebrity god, they would say, who was there therefore uh, responsible for protecting the people. And scholars believe that like a meteor fell from the sky and her image fell to earth and, and um, that she was the one who was going to keep the people of Ephesus safe and sound. And so I want to pick up in 1923 through 32. It says, about that time, there was a great disturbance about the way. And the way is the movement of the church. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together with the workers in in related trades and said, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. So let's just pause for a second there. Do you see a correlation with what was happening in Jerusalem when Jesus came in? The chief priests had it all figured out, and, and they were making money in the temple courts, and then Jesus comes in and says, wait, there's another way. They're like, wait a second, we've got to kill him. So Demetrius is here going, uh-oh, something's got to change because... Um, we're in danger. So he says, there's danger, not only in our trade, will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited, and the goddess herself, who's worshipped through the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed. robbed of her divine majesty. So there's this fear that the, now their temple is going to be in disruption because of this good news of the way. And so he says, when they began to hear this, they were furious and began shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Another crowd shouting, Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and <laughs> um, <laughs> Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater together. Um, I imagine like you know like twenty five thousand people like imagine interest arena like they're all just like running in there and I and I love it. It says Paul, uh, I don't think I put that Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples wouldn't let him. Um, and it says the, uh, I love it, the, the assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people didn't even know why they were there. <laughs> Can you imagine just being carried along? Greatest art they probably sounded like me. Artists, who's that? Um, uh, where am I? Don't even know why they're there. So I really need my readers nowadays and I'm, ha <laughs> ha, be quiet. Okay, sorry. Okay, so 35. So it says the city, so they're in there, greatest Artemis of Ephesians. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. Doesn't the whole world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple? of the great Artemis, an image which fell from heaven? Paul and Timothy had this experience 10 years prior. uh, Paul's now in prison saying, Hey, Timothy, Artemis was sent to guard the city. Could Paul be echoing to Timothy from his prison cell? Timothy, don't you know that you're the guardian of the church in Ephesus? Don't you know that the spirit fell from heaven but lives in you? You are the temple which houses the spirit of God. Artemis was the god of safe and sound, made from human hands, a dwelling temple built by human hands, guarding the people, and that temple that can be destroyed and torn down. But Timothy, you are one in whom Christ dwells and delights, and you live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. Nothing can change that. So be bold. That spirit of, of timidity, don't, don't have that. The spirit comes alongside and gives us a spirit of boldness. You are valuable. You are worthy. Guard that good deposit. Guard the confidence in the gospel. Guard the confidence in your faith in Jesus. Not alone, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, which is given to you and lives in us. This week, we're going to journey to the cross. This week, Holy Week is a time where we gather our thoughts, where we spend uh, we spend time with Jesus, saying, "Okay, we're with you." It is the greatest, greatest week in the history of humankind. It's the greatest superhero story ever told. Because no matter what this new Infinity War movie's like, it's nothing like what happened on Easter morning. Hollywood ain't got nothing on the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying. Tweet that. Um, hashtag tweet. I'm going to actually call our uh, Cardinal Lane up closest and in, in, in some music this morning. But on your on your pay on your chairs, you got a piece of paper. and This is our our Lenten reflection. What we've been doing each Sunday is kind of spending some time in, in in reflecting on the message and what our response to that is this week. Um, but on here, we kind of put it, we put a challenge out for you to spend some time daily in journeying in journeying this week together. And it's an opportunity for you. It's not an obligation, so as you feel led to do so, but to walk with, with the church together through this season. Um, pick a time each day. Spend time in the Word, reflecting it's a time where we join in Jesus' sacrifice and his suffering and acknowledge how limited we are as humans and how we are in so need of a Savior. On Thursday, we'll journey to the garden. On Friday, we remember the cross, and we come together on Easter morning to celebrate the truth of the good news. An amazing love of God who showed us that all these things in life are temporary, And invites us into relationships so that he can live in us. His Holy Spirit can dwell in us. And we can be the light. We can be the truth for all of the ages to come. Amen. Amen. Thank you.